Hello, welcome back. On the last, in the last few weeks, we've been hearing of um, the Titan and the drama that was the fallout of the experience of the Titan. We heard again of many people. We heard of uh, lots of stories coming around the Titanic. We heard about, you know, people who had survived it. Um, basically, it brought up all the stories and uh, oh, a lot of the stories. And with social media, well, we definitely got a lot. And um, obviously, we start thinking, you know, is uh, exploration dangerous um, and so on. But we also, what was it, a year ago in uh, March, that found the Endeavour, the, the boat by Shackleton, uh, one of the early explorers and um, that we've traced and, you know, associate with the the Arctic and the Antarctic, but um, Antarctica, that is. But um, we we really enjoyed all these things. I mean, the discovery is amazing and so forth. Uh, this this episode with drama in it has certainly brought up a lot of other questions and so on. But the amazing point here is how far the technology is going, how far it is still exploratory. I mean, if you were to look, for example, at early pay, uh, pictures of Captain Stock embarking on an expedition, you would find, you would see on those pictures different types of technology used for sledges and so on that did not make it till the end of the mission. That, that is what the reality of new technology can sometimes be. And there's people out there every day trying to make things better and a lot is done. A lot is done. We tend to focus on the glitches and so on, but this is not a glitch, there's drama and uh, no misunderstanding there, but there is so much that is being done at such levels of which we barely understand the, the fullness of its potential. Um, and when it comes to exploring the depths of the sea, uh, we need, when we rely on technology to confirm some of the assessments and hypotheses that are thrown out there, or, you know, debase some of the... Uh, uh, assumptions that are made uh, through in situ uh, results of all sorts. So an article came out. Uh, I found it on inverse.com. It's part, it actually comes from the conversation. And it was an interview with uh, uh, an engineer, a submersible engineer. And uh, he goes on to state that deep sea missions should be crewless. Uh, you may have heard of un unmanned ships. Um, he's stating that anything that is done in the deep sea should not have people on board, meaning the risk is way too high and that there's so much more that we can get done just as is, uh, that until then we, we, we should just avoid the, the risk altogether. This is, a uh, was put together by Nina Mahumdan Madian and the conservation and, uh, issued recently, uh, early July. It's called, A Submersible Engineer Explains Why Deep Sea Missions Should Be Crewless. Bringing people to the bottom of the deep ocean is inherently dangerous. And here we go. Rescuers spotted debris from the tourist submarine Titan on the ocean floor near the wreck of the Titanic on June 22, 2023, indicating that the vessel suffered a catastrophic failure and the five people aboard were killed. Bringing people to the bottom of the deep ocean is inherently dangerous. At the same time, climate change means collecting data from the world's oceans is more vital than ever. Purdue University mechanical engineer Nina Mahmoudian 
explains how researchers reduce the risks and cost of deep-sea exploration, send down subs, but keep people on the surface. When we talk about water studies, we're talking about vast areas, and covering vast areas requires tools that can work for extended periods of time, sometimes months. Having people aboard underwater vehicles, especially for such long periods of time, is expensive and dangerous. One of the tools researchers uses remotely operated vehicles, or ROVs. Basically, there is a cable between the vehicle and the operator that allows the operator to command and move the vehicle, and the vehicle can relay data in real time. ROV technology has progressed a lot to be able to reach deep ocean, up to a depth of 6,000 meters. It's also better able to provide the mobility necessary for observing the seabed and gathering data. Autonomous underwater vehicles provide another opportunity for underwater exploration. They're usually not tethered to a ship. They are typically programmed ahead of time to do a specific mission. And while they're underwater, they usually don't have constant communication. At some intervals, they surface, relay the whole amount of data that they have gathered, change the battery or recharge, and receive renewed instructions before again submerging and continuing their mission. Crude submersibles will be exciting for the public and those involved and helpful for the increased capabilities humans bring in operating instruments and making decisions similar to crude space exploration. However, it will be much more expensive compared with uncrewed explorations because of the required size of the platforms and the need for life support systems and safety systems. Crewed submersibles today cost tens of thousands of dollars a day to operate. The use of unmanned systems will provide better opportunities for exploration at less cost and risk, of oper in, sorry, risk in operating over vast areas and in hospitable, inhospitable locations. Using remotely operated and autonomous underwater vehicles gives operators the opportunity to perform tasks that are dangerous for humans, like observing under ice and detecting underwater mines. The technology has advanced dramatically in recent years due to progress in sensors and computation. There has been significant progress in the miniaturization of acoustic sensors and sonars for use underwater. Computers have also become more miniaturized, capable, and power-efficient. There has been a lot of work on battery technology and connectors that are watertight. Additive manufacturing and 3D printing also help build hulls and components that can withstand high pressures at depth at much lower costs. There's also been great progress towards increasing autonomy using more advanced algorithms in addition to traditional methods for navigation, localization, and detection. For example, machine learning algorithms can help a vehicle detect and classify objects, whether stationary like a pipeline or mobile like schools of fish. One example is underwater gliders. These are buoyancy-driven autonomous underwater vehicles. They can stay in the water for months. They can collect data on pressure, temperature, and salinity as they go up and down in water. All of these are very helpful for researchers to have an understanding of changes that are happening in oceans. One of these platforms traveled across the North Atlantic Ocean from the coast of Massachusetts to Ireland 
for nearly a year in 2016 and 2017. The amount of data that was captured in that amount of time was unprecedented. To put it in perspective, a vehicle like that costs about $200,000. The operators were remote. Every eight hours, the glider came to the surface, got connected to GPS and said, hey, I'm here. And the crew basically gave it the plan for the next leg of the mission. If a crewed ship was sent to gather that amount of data for that long, it would cost millions. In 2019, researchers used an autonomous underwater vehicle to collect invaluable data about the seabed beneath the Twaits Glacier in Antarctica. Energy companies are also using remotely operated autonomous underwater vehicles for inspecting and monitoring offshore renewable energy and oil and gas infrastructure on the seabed. Underwater systems are slow-moving platforms, and if researchers can deploy them in large numbers, that would give them an advantage in covering large areas of the ocean. A great deal of effort is being put into the coordination and fleet-oriented autonomy of these platforms, as well as into advancing data gathering using onboard sensors such as cameras, sonars, and dissolved oxygen sensors. Another aspect of advancing vehicle autonomy in real-time underwater decision-making and data analysis. My team and I focus on developing navigational and mission planning algorithms for persistent operations, meaning long-term missions, with minimal human oversight. The goal is to respond to two of the main constraints in the deployment of autonomous systems. One is battery life, the other is unknown situations. For battery life, we work on at-sea recharging, both underwater and surface water. We are developing tools for autonomous deployment, recovery, recharging and data transfer for longer missions at sea. For unknown situations, we are working on recognizing and avoiding obstacles and adapting to different ocean currents, basically allowing a vehicle to navigate in rough conditions on its own. To adapt to changing dynamics and component failures, we're working on methodologies to help the vehicle detect the change and compensate for being able to continue and finish the mission. These efforts will enable long-term ocean studies, including observing environmental conditions and mapping uncharted areas. There we have it. I hope you enjoyed it. It gives you a sense of where technology is at. One of the Drivers for this technology is cost, meaning for the same you'd be using boats and crews and it would cost five times more. Actually, depending on when it is, it's not only five times more, but you also need to make sure that boats are available and people are available. This article was originally published in The Conversation by Nina Mamoudian at Purdue University. Thank you very much for listening. Till the next recording. This was the Ocean Matters Podcast.